Hello and welcome to the New to Canada podcast, the show that shares honest, real-life stories and insider info from internationals living in Canada. I am your host, Kate Johnson, and I made the big move from England to Canada in 2017 after falling in love with a Canadian. Join me as I chat with fellow newcomers and learn all about where they are from in the world, why they chose Canada as their new home, and the lessons they've learnt along the way. It's great to have you. This episode's guest is Chafuka from Zambia, Africa. Back in 2004, together with his parents and four brothers, 19-year-old Chafuka moved from the busy city of Kitwe to a small town in Saskatchewan. He tells us about his family's experience of being the only immigrants in a white Canadian community. Coming from a place where you looked like everybody else to a place where all of a sudden you stood out was uh, was a hard transition. Mm-hmm. People in Saskatchewan, many wouldn't know if we could speak English to start with, right? Or if we could joke, if we could take if we could take a joke, you know, things like that. And so that that whole process. It took a bit of time and it was a bit lonely in that time, just no knowing what, what anything means. Chafuka shares his story of eventually leaving his family behind to pursue his education in Winnipeg. We also discuss how immigrants from countries that celebrate being humble and reserved can unexpectedly struggle in countries where confidence and assertiveness is rewarded. The perspective that he brings is so interesting and he shares his best lessons with us that he has learned in his 17 years spent living here. Let's start the show. Hello, Chifuka. Thanks so much for being here. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, fantastic. Well, firstly, I just want to say congratulations on publishing your first book. It's called Immigrants Journeys, Africans Making Canada Home. And Mm -hmm. it is such a wonderful collection of stories from African immigrants who share their experiences of being unique, finding themselves, finding success through disappointment, breaking barriers and, and all of that good stuff. I I can't wait to keep reading it. It's, it's a really fantastic collection. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it just uh, came out in September, so it's it's uh, still brand new, uh, still fresh yeah. out of the oven. So <laughs> <laughs> awesome! What was it a long process to to gather all those stories together? You know, not too long. It took me close to two years. Um, mm. Part of that time, I I wasn't working; like I had lost uh, my job, and in that time of not doing anything, I was like, hey, can get a around to doing some projects that I've always wanted to do so this kind of got birthed out of that so that's oh that's so funny we're the we're the same obviously with the pandemic I was like I need to do something I got itchy Mm -hmm. fingers I'm gonna have to do something and then I launched this podcast so (laughs) all of our passion projects yeah 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 Yeah. that's great well I love learning about new perspectives it's so important it's the best way to to understand the world better and each other and and then also for African immigrants to to see their experiences that they can relate to on the page as well I'm sure it will be so valuable so highly recommend i'll i'll include the link to the book in the in the show notes of this episode as well yes okay so let's hear all about your moving to canada experience you have been here since 2004 but you're originally from zambia in south central africa so tell us a bit about that beautiful beautiful country yeah it's been uh actually exactly 17 years in november uh, this november wow so oh i just feel so old i feel like 2004 isn't 17 years ago (laughs) 
it's what it's happened? Been, it's been a while. So uh, basically, Zambia is a very, I guess, not very known to many people. Uh, kind of one of those African countries that flies a little bit under the radar. Uh, but it's uh, it's quite unique in several aspects. Um, like for one, Zambia is a place where there's never been any like civil strife or anything like that. Very peaceful country and has always mm. been and still remains to be. So um, as far as people, like people are very nice. It's a very, um, very easy place to live in. And uh, often you won't even see very many immigrants uh, in many in other countries just because uh, many people are not like dying to leave. The biggest attraction or the main thing that many people know it for is the Victoria Falls. Yes. So it's shared between Zambia and Zimbabwe. So yeah, lots of tourists go from different parts of the world to, to take a look at it. Um, I'm going to have to be one of those one day. Oh my gosh. I think someone sent me a video years ago of Victoria Falls and you can swim like right to the edge of it safely, yep. of, of, obviously, but what an experience. <laughs> oh my gosh. It just looks so, so amazing. The, the funny thing is many locals actually don't often go there. So <laughs> if you go to places like the Victoria Falls, often what you, what you find are tourists from other countries. It's a, it's a very right. interesting Tourist situation. Oh, so beautiful though. And yeah. to, I can, only imagine the sound that comes from it i'm looking at the photos and oh my god i can almost hear it through the screen it is just <laughs> one of the largest ones in the world like that yeah. volume of water it must sound yeah. like ugh, i can't even imagine yeah but the, you know locals don't appreciate it it's kind of like even here <laughs> take it for granted yeah, yeah so like even the whole time i lived there and in 19 and 19 years living there i only went there once and it was for a school trip. But yeah, that's probably the biggest attraction. I love the name of it. I don't, I, I'm not going to try and say the word. Maybe you can, oh. but it means the smoke that thunders. I love that. Mosiotunia. Yeah. yeah. Mosiotuna. <laughs> yeah. That's the local name for it. So yeah, that's really the, the biggest thing there. Um, much of it, like once you go into the other major cities, is not very different from what you might have in many other countries, malls, <laughs> roads, mm -hmm. buildings. It's, it's quite a normal, it's quite a normal place. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's, uh, not very much that makes it different, um, especially in the urban centers. So yeah. But then 30% of the country, I was doing my research and 30% mm. of the country is reserved for wildlife. So you have those national parks, 20 of them, 34 game management areas. So, yes. um, there's lots of space for, for that as well. And so I was wondering yeah. if you, if you've, visited the national parks if you have you know your favorite one you can recommend if you are to visit yeah actually uh right in the town of livingston or the city of livingston where the victoria falls is you will find uh one of the uh, bigger national parks there so yeah there's a few like there's one called zambezi national park luango national park but yeah i only i only really went to one <laughs> the whole time i lived mm -hmm. there and um you know, for people who live in the cities like we did, often you're quite isolated from from those things. Like you won't you won't even really know. I mean, you you'll know that they exist, but you won't really come into contact with much of what goes on in game parks when you live in an urban area. So, um, yeah. visiting there, like you you really have one of two experiences: either you go and see the urban side of it. Or you go into more of the national park touristy areas. Or both, I guess. Which city did you grow up in? I grew up in Kitwe, which is okay. the second largest city there. So Wow. A million yeah. people or so. Yeah, yeah. 
Wow. <laughs> you did do big, your big. research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what what's good to do in the city then? I mean, maybe we can do a bit of both when we when I visit. <laughs> yeah, in Kitwe, yeah, much of it is the same. You know, it's just very minor differences in the way your superstores might work. Uh, mm. In the way, um, like like for instance, if you're in a city in let's say Kitwe, you've got a lot of like uh, you know traders selling stuff on the streets uh people like you know you have to bargain for things um it's it's different that way uh but as far as things to do it's 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 not that different from here um so your typical weekend would be you know going to the movies or going to a restaurant and the same just the same kind of life it's it's pretty much uh, identical that way that's so cool so yeah <laughs> that's so interesting really isn't it because you know the stereotypes are real for for so many countries in this world and yeah, yeah, you know yeah. you think of of zambia and i think you know the the nature and the national parks and then doing all these things like white water rafting and safaris and it's just so funny all the touristy things are kind of what you're known for and then you wouldn't even think to go to the big cities but now i definitely will that's so cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah so what do you miss most about zambia i can imagine you have such incredible you know festivals or gatherings with lots of family tell us about that yeah a family would probably be the big one my immediate family you all live here uh in different places in north america but there's uncles that we grew up with uh, aunties cousins so not not having those around um is definitely different you don't quite get fully used to it and uh, i mean you can see them over you know, whatsapp or whatever but it's not it's not quite the same mm-hmm. other things like we grew up around things like church uh, which is a big part so it, you know we still go here but you know it's just a little bit different here the the, the way people interacted there was a little bit different and then just small things most of it really is relational but like you want to go see friends you know you just get up and go Right here, we are a lot more busy. Uh, everything is kind of by appointment. Right? Yes. It's, it's a it's a much more structured living here. Uh, but there are things we're more relaxed, more <laughs> just spontaneous, and and I, I miss a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's so funny. You're definitely not the first guest that that pointed that out. So yeah, it's true. You kind of have to plan in advance your your social life here. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Even when I was doing the book, that that, that came up a lot. A, a lot of people just found it interesting how you could be in an apartment here and not know your neighbors. <laughs> but there, like, that was like, that never happened. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I traveled, I traveled there about seven years ago. And so I was taking a bus from one city to the other. And so I just sat next to somebody and they, they greeted me. And, and that kind of caught me off guard because like, I mean, here you could, but you know, it's not, you know, you could sit next to somebody for like a two hour bus trip and not say a word to each other. But there it's almost like an insult if you, (laughs) (laughs) if you sat next to somebody and didn't make conversations. So so it's kind of interesting. Very. Yeah. That's so true. I think in England it's similar as well, especially in London. Like you don't speak to anybody on the train in London and it's all very similar. But, um, yeah, I like that, you know, to know your neighbors and to have that community and to celebrate together and different things. And Mm -hmm. I like it. We should strive for more of that. <laughs> what about languages? Because there are, you know, there's more than 70 different languages and dialects throughout Zambia. I'm just wondering what languages and dialects you speak. Obviously, English is the official language. Uh, well, so. Yes. And um, I can speak two more. So uh, Nyanja is, I guess, my um, 
mother tongue. That's uh, the language that my parents speak. Uh, mm-hmm. We grew up on a place called the Copper Belt. Uh, so the, the dominant language there is Bemba. And um, yeah, so I'm able to speak that as well. But you know, the truth is 17 years here. Um, right. It started to fade a little bit, but get a bit rusty. I, 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 I can get around if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say Bemba because that was in my research as well. I should have started the episode instead of saying hi. I should have said Muli Shani. Is that right? <laughs> That's very right. How'd I do? <laughs> you did perfect. <laughs> yes. So that means hi, how are you, right? Yes. And I'd say, uh, we know Muli Shani. So it's like, f- I'm fine. And how are you? So ah, there you yeah. go. <laughs> Learn some Bemba too. <laughs> Okay, so let's run through the events that led to you leaving Zambia and moving to Saskatchewan, Canada in 2004. So you were 19 at the time, right? I was 19. And um, I had just finished high school in Zambia. I went to what was considered the best high school in, in Zambia. So many of the people who were there had parents who were able to sponsor them to study abroad. And uh, it was the dream of everybody to to leave and study somewhere else. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I was I was like many who wanted to leave. But the truth is, it was probably going to be quite difficult for me to to leave. Like it's uh, quite expensive to study abroad. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a dream I had, but wasn't completely sure it could happen. But around the same time, my my mom started to look outside to see if she could uh, get a job in another country. And so uh, the, the UK was on the list. Uh, Canada was. Um, the US, I think, was somewhere on that list as well. Uh, but um, in doing some research, Canada kind of came up at the top. She applied. She came here first, uh, did her exams. And when she made it, uh, the rest of us got student visas to come here. My dad got a work permit, so that's how the the whole lot of us, me and my five, me, my four brothers, and my parents, wow. uh, left, and then we came to Saskatchewan. Wow! Oh, and all because your mama. I love that. That's so cool. <laughs> and luckily, your dream matched the dream of your family's as well. That's I right. Love that so you all packed up and you went to Eskimo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, and I think for my parents as well, it was just that realization that the kids were now starting to finish high school and to to, to give us a shot at, a, a, I guess, a decent education and a better life. Um, it just made sense for them to consider moving. So, yeah, so that's what happened. Cool. Yeah, and I want to touch on that very quickly because Saskatchewan isn't usually a province that a lot of immigrants gravitate towards. So I'm guessing it was your mother's work permit that was the main driving force behind that. Did she get a job there? Yeah. Or? So she got a job there. And um, if if my memory serves me right, the the nurses association there had actually advertised like we 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 saw adverts in Zambia for people to move to Saskatchewan. Oh, for, for healthcare. Yes. Cool. Yes. Yeah. So when when she applied, when she got her permit, everything was tied to her ending up in Saskatchewan. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, we landed in uh, we we set up in Yorkton, Saskatchewan. Um, much smaller city than we than what we had come from, so that that was yeah that was different. Yeah, we were saying what a million people in in your city, and then how many in in Yorkton? In Yorkton, there's about sixteen thousand people. Wow. Yeah. So. Gosh. 
gosh. Much, much smaller. So what was that like, moving from, from Zambia to, to a population that, that small in, in Canada? It was different. Uh, it was November, so actually exactly 17 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, and it was snowing a little bit when we arrived. It was white everywhere with snow. Had you seen snow before? No, only on TV. Wow. And, uh, you know, looking at it on TV, you know, it's like this uh, beautiful <laughs> stuff. When it came here, I was like, oh, this is... <laughs> <laughs> it's wet good. and gross. Yeah. I mean, now, now I don't mind it, but at the time, it was definitely a shock. Uh, we had we had brought whatever warm clothes we had from from Zambia, but uh, as soon as we were at the airport, we needed proper jackets. Uh, and thankfully, the people that came to get us had anticipated that we were not quite ready for the for the cold. So yeah, how old were all your brothers at the time? Were you are you the oldest, youngest? Yes, I'm the oldest. So I'm 19. Uh, the youngest is 10 years younger than me. So he was nine at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we're all in between those ages. So yeah, uh, being in Saskatchewan was different for many reasons. We lived in a much smaller house in Saskatchewan than what we had in Zambia. Um, mm-hmm. Saskatchewan is very, like not many immigrants are there. So just being coming from a place where you looked like everybody else to a place where all of a sudden you stood out was uh was a hard transition. Mm-hmm. So it you know and people just relate differently. Um you know later on you figure out that they're friendly but in the beginning it's like everybody is trying to to figure out the other, right? So yeah, people in Saskatchewan, many wouldn't know if we could speak English to start with, right? Or if we right. could joke, if we could take, if we could take a joke, you know, things like that. <laughs> so people kind of keep a distance as they're trying to observe you. And even for us, the same is going on, right? You don't know whether people are going to be friendly, whether you can just talk to them about life. And so that, that whole process, uh, it took a bit of time and it was a bit lonely in that time because you don't know what people are thinking. You don't know if, they're distant because they don't like you. Like there's just mm. no knowing what what anything means. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think it's fair to say that in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, which is a small, predominantly white population, some of your new neighbors may never have even left that city, like ever yep. before, yep. and therefore never ever interacted with people of color before. Yep. So, did you experience any? any bias, whether it was, you know, their intention or not, any stereotypes? Um, well, not intentional. I think most of it was mm. out of people's ignorance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, for instance, when when they heard us speak English, it's like, oh, but you speak English. <laughs> you speak English perfectly. And it's like, yeah, we actually grew up speaking English. I did my, all my schooling in English. So, you know, things right. like that. Uh, my, my, one of my brothers had a funny experience where... I think it was in Superstore or something. And uh, as he's walking, this kid just stares at him, just, just like never seen, never seen a black person before. And the parents kind of get a bit embarrassed. They're trying to like <laughs> pull the kid away. Oh. And this kid is just staring, bumps into stuff and shoves. <laughs> yeah. Especially because there's what, five, six, seven of you as well. Yeah, yeah, you came yeah, as a, yeah. a seven. So yeah. it's not just, you know, one or two in a, this little town. It's like a, a full family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, most of it was just out of people's <laughs> ignorance, but people were quite friendly. Um, people did try to make us feel welcome. Um, you, you'd be walking oh, in the street and just random people start waving at you and things like that. Oh. And it's just like, yeah, you know, they're being friendly, but they remind you constantly that, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that you're, you're, you're new. So, 
Yeah, it was definitely fun times. Um, yeah, and you mentioned obviously it was a little bit isolating because I'm sure that affected your sense of belonging. You know, it's already very isolating just being from a different country, let alone not having that support network around of you know people that look like you and understand that side of things. So, how long did it take for you to to feel settled and and to build that network? Okay, so for me, I ended up moving to Winnipeg uh, for university. So I was in Yorkton for a good four or five months mm-hmm. and then um for a bunch of reasons ended up in Winnipeg. And Winnipeg was was different because Winnipeg had much more diversity. There was people who had come from from Zambia, from other African countries, from you know Asian countries. So there was I guess people who had walked through the same path that I was now starting to travel. And also even just for the local po- population, they were more exposed to uh you know, people from other countries. So quite quickly, it didn't feel, it didn't feel as isolating just because those, those others were similar. So yeah. That must have been so refreshing because you, you might have thought, oh, this, this just represents the whole of Canada. And then to go to a city and be like, okay, good. Like this is actually a lot better. And um, yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, feel a bit more like you belong there. That's, that's, that's great. Yeah. 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 And no, definitely, um, yeah, Winnipeg was, was, uh, in many ways, much more, I guess, relaxing. And, um, the difference now was that I was there by myself and I left my entire family in Yorkton. So, right. Yeah. Oh. So, you know, there was another adjusting that way. Yes. That's but, true. Uh, yeah. It is cold in Winnipeg. Oh my Winnipeg God. So I, I live in Ontario, obviously. And then I went to Winnipeg for some work, um, when I was working with the boat shows and, um, I thought it was so funny. I was, I woke up at the Airbnb and I looked around and every single car was like plugged in to an outlet. And I was like, is every car in Winnipeg electric? Like that's so green of them. Like I'm so impressed. (laughs) And then someone else, someone said to me like, no, no, it's just that cold overnight that people have to plug their cars in so that the batteries don't die. That's crazy. (laughs) Winnipeg is cold. Um, I must say like people complain. Uh, here in Alberta, that is cold, but like Winnipeg was cold. This, this is, uh, this is yeah. nothing for me. Like, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, like salt doesn't even work on their no. roads. They have to pour sand yeah. all over the roads because salt doesn't even work yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the, on the snow. Yeah. No, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy cold there. Yeah. <laughs> so you went to Winnipeg for university, yes. right? So you completed your high school in Zambia, uh, using an English curriculum, but despite that, you did face a lot of challenges getting a place at a university. What, what happened there? Yeah. So, so initially when, when we got to Yorkton, my, obviously my intention was not to leave my family. We were all new. We, we, you know, wanted to stick with each other, but Yorkton mm-hmm. itself didn't have a university. There was a community college there and, and I was set on going to university. So the, the the nearest universities were the U of R in Regina and U of S in Saskatoon, and um, I traveled to both, made phone calls there, and basically they wanted me to upgrade my my schooling, so take some Canadian high school in order to get admission. In addition to that, like they wanted some uh, like you know English competency uh, tests and, and that type of thing. And, uh, went to travel to Brandon, which is not that far from Yorkton. Uh, same thing happened there. So I was, I was actually going to start doing my Canadian high school just so that I could get a place in university. But I, I was a little bit reluctant to be honest, cause I was 19 already and, uh, yeah. doing high school when I felt I'd finished high school felt like a step backwards. Um, 
But it so happened that just before we left Zambia, I had put in an application to University of Manitoba in Winnipeg. And when we got here, they responded. And they were like, you can start in summer. So no conditions, <laughs> no English tests, no Canadian high school. Just come in with your Zambian high school. And Oh, nice. And uh, yeah, it just made sense. Add to that was uh, at the time, I'm not sure about now, but the University of Manitoba was the cheapest for international students. Wow. So it worked out. So yeah, the combination of those things made made uh, Winnipeg a no-brainer. I, I had to go. So that's what happened. What did you study there? I took a Bachelor of Commerce uh, in Management Information Systems. So mm-hmm. It's really cool. Was there a lot of international students there as well? I love that, that you can join a community there as well. It's easy to meet people at school and you have different diverse students there to make friends Winnipeg with. Winnipeg was very popular for international students. Um, like I mentioned, it was at the time the cheapest university you could go to if you had come from outside the country. So that by itself made it uh, a very popular destination. Um, yeah, students from everywhere were, were on that campus. Nice, nice. And um, so when you graduated, what was it like transitioning from your student permit to, to work permit to, to beyond that? Was it was that any challenges that you faced for that? So, yeah. So my, my, my journey, I guess, was a little bit different, uh, partly because I, I had come, like my mother was a worker. So when she qualified for her permanent residence, I was able to switch out of a student permit into PR, which usually doesn't happen. Most people have to go through the mm-hmm. entire schooling, then get their PR, then get their citizenship and that kind of thing. Yeah, so the whole process. Yeah, yeah. So f- um so I was able to kind of jump the 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 the, the queue in a way. Uh, so I did have my permanent residence about almost two years after I started studying. And that just made things a lot easier because my school fees dropped. I was able to get loans. I was able to work without any hindrances. And, uh, th- that did make, wow. that did make the rest of my schooling a little bit easier. So when I, when I graduated, the challenge wasn't so much. I was a citizen by the time I graduated. And, um, so the challenge wasn't so much paperwork, but it was now just, understanding the culture differently because uh, in school you're kind of surrounded by other students um, yeah. and you know in a way you're kind of insulated from a sheltered yes you were but in the workplace all of a sudden uh, you had to now understand Canadian norms in a different way uh, what it takes to succeed in the workplace how to get a job how to network here and for the most part I didn't have to deal with any of that as a student so it was now a complete I would almost say a complete, a different culture shock, uh, settling into mm-hmm. the country than becoming a worker. It was, uh, it was quite new for me. So, yeah, I guess you have to go through mini culture shocks throughout your life anyway, as you're, as a, as a native and, but moving to a new country, it's like even different culture shocks on top of the normal life ones. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Uh, I like the way you put it. It's, uh, I think sometimes it's often presented as if you just go through this one culture shock at the beginning and then everything else makes mm-hmm. sense after, but not so much. I think that every phase presents a different shock that you have to adjust to. Uh, definitely becoming a worker for me was, uh, was a culture shock. And, and I think mm. for many people that I've spoken to, uh, they, they, they do say the same as well. Because mm. had you experienced work culture in Zambia to, to compare it to? A little you, bit. Or was it really just... Yeah, as uh, after I finished my high school, I did work for almost a year. So yes, there was definitely a, a, a point of comparison between work culture there and work culture here. And it was radically 
different, I'll tell you. Right. How so? <laughs> I'm interested. Um, in, in quite a number of ways. So, for instance, here, for you to uh, get promoted, for you to move up the ladder, you've got to be the one putting in that effort, showing that you're capable, showing that you you do deserve that position even just to get to get a job like you do have to show that you know y- you guys need to hire me uh mm-hmm. where i come from not so much you almost depend on you know you've you've worked here like you know it's almost like if you've worked a certain amount of time you just expect a promotion right right so in zambia it's very rare that i would be managed by a person younger than me right or somebody who say mm-hmm. 50 60 being managed by a 20 30 year old very, very rare. Whereas here, like people don't even think twice. <laughs> you could have a 30 year old managing right. a department with re- people who are almost at retirement age. So very different that way. Yeah. Uh, also in, um, in African society, there's, uh, kind of an emphasis placed on, you know, being humble, being differential to those who are older than you. Right. And it, it plays out in the workplace and any place that you're in. Right. Whereas here, you almost have to be assertive. You have to look confident. And it's, it's this big switch from, you know, if, if you've grown up always kind of humble that way. Um, and then all of a sudden you've got to make this huge switch to pushing yourself out there. It's, uh, it's, it's a definite change. And, and it, mm. and it just doesn't just happen like over a period of like a day or two. Like it, even today, I think I still struggle a little bit with just, you know, I have to be conscious about it. And naturally, I, I I revert to my childhood, how it how it taught me to be. Uh, but here, I find I l- literally have to consciously tell myself I need to be assertive. I need to push myself out there. Mm-hmm. Right? So a lot of times, I find um, at least people who come from where I come from might seem not as maybe as confident, uh, and then they're seen as maybe almost less intelligent because they're not they're not as upfront. So those are some of the things that you might, uh, that we experience. So, yeah. yeah. Because that's such an essential part of, of moving to Canada. I feel like networking is so huge, especially yeah. in Ontario and Toronto. I don't know about Manitoba, but let, let us know if it's the same, but, yes. um, it's very kind of corporate focused in Toronto, for example, and networking and yeah. you lead with what you do and you have your networking events and you have to brag about your talents and personal branding and your know, LinkedIn profile. All of these things are very braggy and it's looked at as the way to sell your to employers and it's a whole thing you have to learn and go through um, to, to build your career here. So yeah, I can see how that would easily be a struggle if you're used to being, you know, more humble and, you know, quieter and um, yeah. yeah. How, how did you overcome that? It was just a slow and steady kind of pushing yourself step by step. Yeah, it's, it's been, a, it's been a, it's been a process. Um, um, I, I did work in places where, uh, sometimes you think you feel like you're being passed over for promotion and that sort of thing. And, and you know, sometimes as immigrants or uh, just people of color, sometimes we might uh, run and say, oh, you know, they, 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 it's, the place is racist and they don't like us. But sometimes I think we do have to just uh, introspect a little bit and just, just learn the rules of the game. Right? Um, mm. So I, I definitely did go through a phase of that sort by myself and just, just, you know, taking a step back, looking back and say, but how come I didn't like, how come I get passed over for promotion? I feel more capable, but they'll never let me. And, um, 
yeah, you know, just going through that, starting to read books uh, from authors written here, just started to open my mind to to other things that I I maybe wasn't paying very much attention to. So, for example, if you if you were to write an email or you know, dare I say it, say it in person to somebody uh, superior to you and saying, "Hey, I feel like my skill set. I've proven myself X Y Z." Um, you know, asking for a promotion that way is that just totally unheard of and very uncomfortable? It's putting yourself. It's it's, it's uncomfortable for sure. Um, I think it's uncomfortable for everybody, but especially for introverts and and for people with uh, that humble, more humble cultures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, <laughs> like like where I come from, it's a combination of the culture, and also at least Africans, many are very religious, right? So many people are strongly Christian or maybe strongly Muslim, and even from that context, there's a lot of um, maybe. Uh, an emphasis on, you know, put to others first, uh, be humble. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that, that can create for a little bit of a, uh, maybe a dangerous combination <laughs> when, when we come here. Um, yeah. So you're more easily, you know, more, more vulnerable almost. Yes, you can yes. get taken advantage of, you can fall yep. for scams oh, yeah. more easily. Yep, yep. 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 So I'll tell you, like when I, when I worked, my first job was, uh, a pretty good job, but I, I did get frustrated uh, over some of the things that I've been talking about, and I quit. Um, not quit to, to go to another job, quit to do my own thing. Because I was just right. like, I'm more capable than they'll ever realize. So I'm going to leave, I'm going to yeah. start my own thing, I'm going to work for myself. And I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, that, 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 that kind of shows you just how you know, just, just the journey, like for, for many of us, it's almost like there's such frustration building and, and we just, we, ju- we've just never learned to play the rules of the game. And, uh, um, yeah. and to voice those frustrations, yeah. that's yeah. something, yeah, that, that you have to learn as well, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Even, even me, it's, it's hard to, I hate confrontation. I hate having to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to say anything like that. So, yeah. What, well, so what, going back to your point then about, um, having to learn the rules of the game and how to, you know, re, you know, push yourself out of your comfort zone and reprogram yourself almost. That kind of makes me think about the balance between maintaining your culture, though. It's important to always, you know, value what you value and your values and what you've been brought up with and your personality and what you think is important. But then also you're trying to succeed in Canada. You're trying to learn this new culture and integrate. So it's that really fine balance of losing yourself almost. How did you have any experience with that? Oh, absolutely. Um, oh, I, I have. <laughs> that, 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 that balance is a very difficult one to maintain. And I think for many of us, when we come here, we, we want to, we almost feel threatened by the the new culture right so it's almost like i'm just mm-hmm. involved enough if i can just make enough money to support my family that's it so if there's an event at work right if there's any social anything you know it's kind of hands off right i'm here to just make <laughs> money and and uh and that's it um so i've definitely had my challenges um just kind of figuring out where i land between the two um, but in a way, it's been easy for me because my parents were not what I would call very traditional, even when we lived in Zambia. Like, for instance, we spoke English in our home in Zambia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, which many people find very funny if I tell them. So my, my, my parents are not particularly 
traditional. Like we grew up, like where I grew up, it was very rare to have boys like wash plates and stuff or cook and do things like that. But we grew up doing all those things. So in a way, I guess moving a little bit wasn't too much of a, of a struggle. And then to add to that, when you come here, like I'm not married to a Zambian. I'm married to a lady from Ethiopia. So, you know, all those things kind of force you to, like, you can't stay only with what you grew up with. Um, Mm -hmm. and ultimately, yeah, ultimately just wanting to succeed here makes you, it makes it necessary to learn how, how this place functions. So sometimes, mm-hmm. yeah, it might seem like you're losing your culture and, and that sort of thing. But I don't worry too much about that personally, because I'm like, I was born there. I will never forget where I come from. My name, uh, ties me back there. Like I don't, I don't worry too much about losing it, but there's a new culture that I'm in. And to succeed, I have to learn it. I have to understand it. And so on a personal level, like I do try hard to, to, to learn how people here think. And, uh, mm. yeah, my, my personal culture, I don't worry too much about losing it because one, it's, it's there. It's, it's part of my DNA. It's, you know, everything about me yeah. identifies me with it. My name, my accent, my skin color. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't worry about losing it. It's not, it's not very much a concern. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, that's so nice. And also it's, I guess it's the mindset of you don't have to substitute one for the other. You know, it's not, Correct. you're not losing anything. I love, I love that mindset. And it, it's finding a new culture. That's a, you know, a beautiful mixture of everything. You've moved to Canada. So you have Canada, you have Zambia. Now you have Ethiopia because you have your wife, you know, all of these cultures. You, you're just, you're your own unique person. I think that's the way to look at it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I like the way you put it. It's, um, yeah, it's not losing one for the other or substituting one for the other. I mean, every culture, mm. Zamin culture is not perfect. Um, uh, it's got its strengths. It's got its weaknesses. It, uh, Ethiopian culture isn't perfect. It's got its strengths, its weaknesses. Canadian culture isn't either. Right. So mm-hmm. our, our, our aim is to now pull the best of each and try and make something new out of it. So, Love it. Yeah. Exactly. So what about your brothers then? Because your youngest brother was nine when he came here. So do you see a difference in his, you know, personality and his values because he came at such a younger age than you, for example? Did your parents see a difference? Uh, my parents definitely, I think they would agree that they parented a little bit differently, uh, thankfully. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the, my, my parents' approach to the younger ones was different and... um our, I guess our understanding of, of things is definitely different. Not that one is better or worse than the other, but, but it's definitely different. So when I came from Zambia, I was 19. And for me, like I needed to go into university no matter what. Like there was not going to be taking <laughs> a year off or, you know, vacationing or anything like that. Um, my, my, my younger brothers, I think tend to be more wanting a more, more balance. Right. So not killing themselves over work. Right. That's very Canadian. They have their hobbies and toys and yeah, 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 vacation yeah, homes. Yeah. yeah. And- Finding work <laughs> that really satisfies them. Whereas we come more from the, the place where, you know, you've got to do what you've got to do to, 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 to put food on the table. So there's definitely, at least I noticed those, uh, differences among us. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, it's, it's just different. Not, not that one is right and one is wrong. It's just, just a different way of looking at the world. Yeah. So. 
Fantastic. Well, do you have any kind of closing advice for, for anyone listening? As you, you're probably, I'm going to have to keep track of who's the most senior in Canada as my newcomer guests. I think you're up there. Obviously, oh, that- <laughs> you've been here for, for how many years again? This is 17? now just about 17 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you're going to have to have some wisdom. What, what, what could you share? What was your biggest lesson that you think would help a newcomer if it was their first day in Canada? What would you say? Wow. Um, I would say just be open to learning. Um, like understand why people think the way they do, why Canadians do the things they do. Uh, sometimes like I know for myself, like I think it's almost natural to want to dig in more to what you know. Um, but mm-hmm. just learn, like to talk to people, read books, be, just be open. There's so much to learn. And then just also be patient with yourself. There's, uh, mm-hmm. uh, it's new. It's overwhelming. It's, um, it's confusing. It's beautiful. It's all those things. But yeah, I would say just be open to learning, be open to trying out new things, um, whether, whether it's professionally, academically, even just socially, like, you know, uh, many times if we've come from places without snow, we like just automatically hate it. We just hate the cold. We hate all these things. And, uh, you know, you find yourself complaining for like half of the year of each year right yeah that's no life <laughs> I, I'm, that's good advice for me to be i'm like i need to go somewhere else i'm going to the beach like <laughs> so, always wanting to leave so <laughs> yeah you know enjoy the snow um take skating lessons learn to ski just enjoy it it's it's a beautiful country and there's a lot to enjoy in in every season so yeah that that would make advice it's probably not very profound but that's that would be no, my advice. that's great <laughs> yeah i love it no that's great and um yeah let's just touch on your book once again you said read books so we have um we'll put the link in uh the show notes if you want to check out chifuko's book it is the immigrants journeys africans making canada home and it's a collection of stories from african immigrants who share their experiences of of moving to canada and um yeah, we'll link that in the show notes. And thank you so, so much for your time today. It's been great. Yeah, thank you, Kate. It's been so good to meet you. Yeah, it's been, it's been wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. And then if you're loving the show so far, recommend us to your friends. Spread word and help us grow this exciting community. Until next week. Bye.